LWDG Pod Dog, the podcast that helps women train their gun dogs and become part of a supportive community. I'm Joanne Perrett, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group, and I'm thrilled to be your host. Our online membership offers expert training, monthly courses, and live coaching sessions that empower women to become confident and skilled gun dog handlers. Join us as we share insights, advice, and stories to help you and your four-legged friend achieve your goals. So grab your headphones, sit back, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Poddog. This week we're going to be discussing when to consider behavioural medication with your gun dog. Joining me for this week's podcast are the amazing LWDG group experts, Claire Denia, Gemma Martin and Samantha Thornycroft-Taylor. Hopefully these ladies will be able to help us in answering some of the questions around when it is best to look at medication and when we can look at other things instead. So ladies, have you noticed an increase in the use of behavioural adaptive medications in gun dogs? Yeah, I'm seeing more and more clients that are coming to me with these uh, behaviours in their dogs and they've said that they've gone to the vets about it because it's been, you know, sort of new developing behaviour or something like that. Um, And quite a lot of them have been put on sedatives or tranquilizer type drugs to try and combat that behaviour. Um, and 90% of the time, without training alongside that, it does absolutely zero to their behaviour and actually they've noticed other things happening that weren't happening before they took the drugs. What about you guys? Yeah, I've certainly noticed an increase in the amount of medication being used for behavioural problems. Um, sometimes I'm seeing it's just been prescribed by the vet there hasn't been any sort of behavioural training being done before that. Um, And the vets are just recommending putting the dogs onto medication. Um, Sometimes it's as a result of seeing um, a behaviourist vet. Um, And so I'm seeing dogs where it's already been prescribed by a behaviourist vet. And then by the time I see the dog, very little training has been done but what i'm seeing is a lot of management alongside the medication and we all know that management is a part of training but it isn't going to change behavior um it's just like putting a plaster over the problem but pair that with medication and you aren't really seeing the dog for its true self um And I feel like there is a place for medication alongside training with specific cases, but I'm personally concerned by how quickly it's being given to dogs without other considerations first. Yeah, I think like you guys have said, you know, it's it's, if you notice a a change in behaviour with your dog, your first port of call is often to take your dog to the vets. And as behavioural trainers, we would all recommend that, you know, if there's a sudden change of behaviour, you need to go and and give them a health check. Um, But I think it's it's almost become that first port of call now. We're going to medicate them without trying to underline any or address any underlying problems, Um, you know, regardless of the fact that they've been given a clear health check, you know, they've been diagnosed or um, deemed as being healthy. Um, and yeah, I think it is, it is quite concerning 
Um, you know, it just seems to be the the go to these days. And like Claire said just now, without actually delving into why the dog's doing it, and then you're trying to um, uh, evaluate a dog that is not their true self because they're already on medication. What do you think it is that's making owners consider these medications for their dogs? Well, one of the things that I see, sadly, is a lot of, I think since COVID, and I hate to bring that into it, but it it is part of it, in my opinion. um, I'm seeing a lot of owners that maybe don't understand dogs and a lot of owners that have taken on dogs where they, they haven't grew up with dogs, they haven't had a dog before, and they've not really gained knowledge about the breed that they've got the behaviours of that breed, all of those sorts of things. Um, And so what I'm seeing is a lot of uneducated owners who think that the behaviour problems that they are witnessing or they deem them behaviour problems, but actually some of them are actually just natural behaviours to the dog and it doesn't fit with the owner's world very well. Um, And then almost humanising situations and and I think we do have to address that because you know you're seeing more and more on social media people are humanizing dogs and so their go-to is medication must be medication instead of looking at behavior and behavior modification and training and as I touched on before I'm not saying there's never room for medication and with specific dogs in specific circumstances But it's just the thing that concerns me is the high growth in that decision without actually really addressing the problem. And is this a natural behaviour for that dog? And are there training things that we can put into place to change that? Um, Yeah, so I'll hand over to one of the other ladies for a minute and, and I'm mulling that over in my head whilst we're talking, literally. Yeah, I think Claire's hit the nail on the head there. Um, because human mental health is so in the forefront of everything right now and that's great it's great that everyone's talking about it and it's great that it's it's there Um, and if you look on TikTok or anything the amount of sort of ADHD TikToks you're seeing now is crazy everyone I think I could be diagnosed with ADHD from everything I've watched but then people are replying those same things to their dogs. So the amount of people I see that say, oh, my dog's got anxiety or my dog's got, I think my dog's got ADHD or I think my dog might be on the spectrum. All these things that they're applying to their dogs, which are people things. And yes, some might sort of twist over a little bit, but our dogs are completely different to us. They don't see the same, the world the same as we do. They don't have the same type of complex emotions that we do. Yes, they can have brain issues and things like that where everything isn't functioning properly but generally dogs are a lot more straightforward and dosing them up with medication isn't going to be the answer because even as people if we have medication we have therapies and things that go along with that which help us work through all those things that are going on in our heads so i think people are almost looking for a bit of a quick fix they're like oh if this is this wrong with my dog i can give them this medication and then i'll have a perfect dog brilliant also also it's with the rise in in dog ownership you know you'd be hard pushed these days to live somewhere and not have at least one of your neighbors with a dog as well um you know and and people talk so i think a lot of 
or some of it certainly I think could be you know you're chatting with your neighbor over the garden fence and it comes up in conversation that actually your dog used to be anxious about such and such but then you took it to the vet it was prescribed medication and it worked really really well so because they've had success you're more likely to take your own dog to the vet and go well so so and so says their dog did this my dog does exactly the same they were given this medication it's worked can I have some too um you know so I think there's a lot of a lot of that potentially going on as well yeah I think I think for me I speak to so our local vets are, are brilliant and I speak to them a lot and I'm not putting um any of this on the vets because they have such a hard time as it is I I truly believe that they get a lot of especially since Covid you know the pressure on vets is is quite intense um but I think the vets are struggling more. I personally think the vets are struggling more because in some circumstances, in several I can think of from conversations with vets that I know and vet nurses that I know, some of these owners have already sought training help from four, three people that are not recommending behavior modification but management so then they're told they also need the medication so those two things are being slotted together for me i look at in some cases medication um can provide with some dogs a window of opportunity to be able to train the dog but what i don't think medication should be used for as Gemma touched on earlier is to numb the dog so I've got the greatest admiration for vets and everything that they do. They work really hard um, and they have to specialise in so many different areas to be qualified in what they do. But it's worth sort of bearing in mind that very few of them specialise in the behaviour parts. But other than that, they do such a small proportion on dog behaviour specifically that they're not as, you know, informed on things as maybe we are. And that's not their fault. But a lot of them are getting into the habit of just prescribing these meds to people because that's what's happening at the moment and it's becoming the norm. So um, yeah, it's just worth bearing that in mind that just because a vet says, try this with your dog, it might not be because it's coming from an informed place. So in your experience, ladies, what types of behavioural issues are most being addressed with this medication? I think a number of, of behaviours are being sort of seen for the, the meds to be... Um, prescribed but I would say personally I've seen the the highest ones have been sort of anxiety um, and uh, reactivity is another one um, so anxiety obviously can cover a huge amount of things it could be separation anxiety it could be anxiety around being um, seeing other things yeah you know, other people other dogs you know perhaps they've had a bad experience perhaps they haven't perhaps as Claire said earlier I hate to go back to it perhaps with COVID they just didn't have quite the socialization they would have had pre-COVID um i think for me the two biggest as i say are anxiety and reactivity or regression but i think also they can be used for many many others that almost link in to the anxiety or what's perceived as anxiety whereas actually could be that lack of self-control that we see so much when we're working with behavioral problems um you know it can display in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways so sometimes it can just be the dog is a, a bit wired a bit over the top um and it's perceived going back to what claire said earlier to the sort of semi lack of of owners the education that their knowledge of dogs um 
that can be perceived as anxiety when actually the dog just needs to appreciate that it's got to calm down a little bit. Yeah, I agree entirely. And they're the most common things that I see dogs being prescribed medication for as well. I think sometimes in certain cases, I think medication can actually, and this is more for very severe cases, it can open a window of opportunity to be able to communicate with the dog to train it. But it shouldn't be the first go-to and it should be used as that window of opportunity to work the dog through training and behaviour modification. And then, you know, wherever possible, the medication then not relied on anymore and removed so that the owner and the dog can continue to work together to overcome this. Because the worst thing, you know, the worst thing for me to imagine would be dogs that are on medication practically for life. For things that actually we could improve through behaviour modification. We talk a lot about um, things like chemical castration, which is a modification, a hormonal modification to help with um, male dogs. But we're not talking about that type of medication now. We talk about medication that, um, for want of a better word, it, it makes them dopey, it makes them not react the same way. So for all the dogs, they are not seeing the, the world with a clear mind, are they? Exactly that. Um, you know, and, and like you said, it's it's not we're not discussing hormonal medication at this point. It's like the, the sedation type medication. So it's supposed to just lower the dog's being a little bit, you know, and almost put them in a calmer state of mind so that they can think slightly more clear, clearly. If you think, you know, when you're on, on an adrenaline rush, you can't think one, two, three, or, you know, coherently and, and in logical order, you kind of just rush through everything. And, and dogs that are displaying type, these types of behavioral issues are exactly that, you know, they're not ca capable of thinking clearly and thinking about what their actions are. So, and like Claire said, you know, sometimes putting them on these medications can give you that window of opportunity, provided it's combined with training. We don't just want to keep the dog sedated for the rest of its life. That's not fair on the dog. It's not fair on the humans and it's not fair on the bank balance either. Um, you know, and again, like Gemma said, I have, oh, and Claire, I have full admiration for vets these days. They are working all the hours godsend and struggling to keep up with everything. Um, but it is we do need to think about the benefits and what's the opposite of benefits the downsides to the medications um i always remember as a kid when i was growing up and i was around horses a lot i was told that a sedated horse is almost twice as dangerous as an unsedated horse because actually if it still wants to kick it is still perfectly capable of kicking it just isn't that capable of standing up straight anymore so it might kick you and then fall on you or you know it's it's not going to be doing it with the accuracy that perhaps it meant when it wasn't sedated and I think that has then led me to be more wary of using any type of that form of medication for any animal because I believe that the animal is still capable of doing exactly what they were going to do in the first place just with slightly less of a clear picture as to where the the physical boundaries are you know if it was going to snap at you but unmedicated, it might snap next to your arm. Medicated or sedated, there's a chance that it might misjudge where your arm is and actually snap your, your actual arm. So clearly on the same wavelength, because I was going to talk about horses as well, um, and sort of refer it to the fact that it's not a one-size-fits-all and these drugs won't work for every dog. Just like 
when my horse had to be sedated, she would fight that sedation like stink, no matter how much the vet gave her, until the vet left. And at which point she would then suddenly go, oh, thank God, and let it kick in. Um, and I think if we've got a genuinely, truly anxious dog about something, if we then start messing with their sort of, you know, general being and we start to try and calm them down, if they start to feel themselves going a bit wobbly and they're generally scared of something, that can potentially make it worse. If they're trying to fight it and go, oh, no, I'm really scared of that and now I feel a bit weird as well. Um, and, and these medications take a while to actually be in the system and start working properly. So there is that potential that the dogs are going to fight it a bit like other animals do. Um, and, you know, they're just not going to work for some. Claire? Yeah, and I have actually personally worked with a few dogs um, over the last couple of years where I can clearly see that the medication is detrimental to the dog. Actually, the anxiety is worse. The aggression the especially fear aggression fear aggression increased because of the medication because the dog that i think i think because i don't know this because i'm not somebody that's a scientist in this but i believe from what i've witnessed that a lot of the time it's because the dog feels more vulnerable they feel more vulnerable and less able to express themselves more appropriately so they're going in stronger and fiercer than ever before. So, you know, my experience, I have worked with a couple of dogs where medication has given us a window of opportunity and it's been successful. But I've actually personally had more cases where I fear, feel that the anxiety or fear aggression has increased when they've been put on the medication and every dog is different and i'm not saying that's bog standard across the board but that's just in my experience what i have personally witnessed um and from the dogs that i've worked with so if we take into account everything that you lovely ladies have said so far is it a case that you think that they are going to medication too quickly too often and maybe not allowing training to deal with the issue to see if it if it actually needs medication i think potentially yes i think you know in in an ideal world i think what you if you're faced with behavioral issues i think the ideal course of action would be get your dog a health check at the vet and as a you know as behavioral trainers we will always say if it's a sudden change of behavior go and get your dog a health check because there might be an underlying cause or underlying issue or illness or injury that is making those behaviors apparent once your dog has got a clean bill of health then go and see or have a behavioral trainer come to you to do a full evaluation assessment and put a behavior modification plan in action if then your behavioral trainer believes that the dog would benefit from medication or if you've tried everything that they've suggested and you're still working through it together but you're not seeing any changes then it might be worth going back to your vet and saying okay we're working with this behavioral trainer but as a conglomerate we believe that some medication for a temporary time would be a benefit to open that window that claire spoke about so that we can really make inroads into the training and then wean the dog off the medication if you are talking about bringing it in and then taking it back out is it a case that owners like you just said they should work with the trainer and the vet have a plan of introducing it 
training and then removing and to to see i suppose in one way to see if the um if the medication was actually of any use in that scenario i i personally feel it can only benefit the dogs for behavioral trainers to work closely with vets that are involved with the dog um you know very often in behavioral modification cases when i'm working with dogs through behavior modification I will ask if the behavior has come on very suddenly or has really increased in intensity very suddenly, I will recommend that the owner gets a vet check before we start doing any behavior modification to ensure there's not pain or illness involved in it. And I think alongside that, I think that it would be great if behavioural trainers were able to work alongside a vet where medication is actually recommended to help enable the, the behavioural trainer to get the best result for the dog, to understand why the vet has, because sometimes the communication is lost. So you, it's almost like the owner of the dog is like a third party in the middle passing information between the vet and the behavioural trainer and possibly something's been lost in translation. Um, so I, I think it would be great to see more trainers and vets communicating. Like I have really good relationships with the local vets around me. I do um, talks for them. I offer to chat to vet nurses about behaviour. Um, and I think it would be really great if that was happening more because we could actually help educate the vets into what we can do in behaviour modification and training and the vets can educate us into what the different um, medications are and the benefits of them so that actually you could work more hand in hand. So it's not this or that, but like a community almost helping the dog, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so could any of you sort of in, you know, chat about a success story that maybe you've had where, um, you know, using this medication has helped? Because we, we don't want to paint a picture of it all being negative because we've referred to the point that there are times when it does help. So do any of you have sort of a, a story that you could share on that where, where it has been helpful? I can't say I've had one where it's been helpful when the dog has been on it for long term, but there was one case that I worked with um, earlier this year where the dog had been recommended some medication to help with anxiety and I had a really long chat with the owner and said, I don't feel your dog really needs this medication, but let's get the behavioural programme working as quickly as possible, get the dog off the medication. And actually the dog was only on the medication for a very short period of time. Um, and we were able to do the behaviour modification. So that's the only time I can think of personally where I've worked with a dog. I haven't seen personally much success with dogs on long-term medication. I haven't. In fact, I've seen the opposite. I've seen that the owners are still struggling um, or the behaviours have gotten worse. So I think this for me is why personally, I think short term use of med medication can be useful for opening that window. But long term use, I don't see dogs where I can say that dogs fully recovered ever. Can I play devil's advocate, Claire, and say, would you have got the same results without the medication? Do you think? 
Quite possibly, quite possibly, they, we might have got the same result without the medication, yeah. So I can't say that I have any science-based information to back up that no, we wouldn't have been able to. So <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I think it's really difficult, but I don't feel I'm in a position or in the profession where I can say no dog doesn't ever need it but I just personally haven't witnessed something that convinces me that all dogs do need it either. Going back to like horses and stuff, I, I've never heard of a horse being given sedatives while you ride it to help you ride it because that's just madness in some ways, isn't it? Because the dog, you're, you're on top of a, a, a one ton or however many ton horse, half ton, whatever, and it can't think straight for itself. It's like, it's like getting in a car drunk, your mind is inhibited. So I'm wondering whether people who have got gun dog breeds should be using medication because you're asking a dog to react and behave in, in situations where his mind's not going to do it. Does that make sense? Gun dog is out doing things in front of other people, with other people, with other dogs, in situations where maybe you know it's it's, it's a, going maybe going through water maybe going through bush maybe having to relocate you how easy is it for a gun dog to do all those things while sedated gem so this is a whole other topic that we could discuss but for the, the talking about karmas and things that we can use on both horses and dogs that aren't sedatives aren't tranquilizers but are just things that help them uh slow down their thought process a little bit maybe if they're a little bit you know crazed i used to give them to one of my horses and it made a massive difference and i know that some of the trainers have had massive success with using the calming supplements for dogs as well so it doesn't always have to be the hardcore medications that we're giving our dogs there are other supplements that we can add to their feeds if we want to go down that route and if we think it will help that particular dog um i personally haven't used calming supplements and things so I, I can comment but I know a lot of trainers have that have made a massive benefit Sam I think yeah it's one of those things that like Joe said you would never consider getting on a sedated horse because we understand that it's you know a one-ton animal but if it gets wobbly and feels drunk and falls over it's going to squish you um dogs obviously they are smaller we don't tend to get on them and ride them around a dressage arena <laughs> But I think if you're working through behavioural issues with your gun dog, then actually you're unlikely to be asking them to be out in that pressured environment, out on the shooting field doing their job whilst they're sedated. I think you almost need to go, okay, we're going to remove you from that environment, work through the behavioural problems, and then put you back out in that environment after you've been weaned off the medication. So I'm not convinced there's a huge crossover. I don't think I would ever want to see and hopefully never would see you know a sedated dog out picking up in a lake in the middle of winter i agree with you on there but even from a training perspective if the dogs are being long-term sedated to deal with an issue and maybe that issue is not being dealt with the, the sedation is being used as the way of dealing with the issue we, even in training it puts the dog at risk, doesn't it? I, I think you just hit the nail on the head there, Joe. And I think sometimes medication is no more than another form of, ma of management. You know, the medication is another form of management and not always a very good form of management, in my opinion. Um, because, as I said before, 
you can see an increase in the fearful behaviors, the fear, aggression, the anxiety, because the dog feels more vulnerable. So I think to consider it as a cure, no, to consider it as part of management, yes. To consider it as an opening of a window to be able to train the dog, yes, in some cases. And I think we just have to be very mindful of how that dog is responding to the medication. Are they zombified? Are they not their usual personality? Is there much more risk now? Um, and always be thinking, how do we get the dog off of the medication? What training and behavior modification do we need to do to get the dog off the medication? It's really quite interesting as well, though, from the point of view of how, how does the vet or how do we um, monitor how, how effective the medication is? So, like, for example, I have epilepsy and I have reviews to see whether my med medication needs to go up or down based on how I feel, etc., I don't even know how you have that conversation with the dog where you say, well, are you able to function okay? Is it too much? Is it, is it knocking you out too much? You know, if I think of the questions I'm asked with regards to my epilepsy tablet, which is called Tegradol, it's used for anti-anxiety um, as well as for epilepsy. You know, they can ask me questions, get very uh, specific answers about, about whether the level is right and they might drop it 100 milligrams or put it up 100 milligrams depending on, on how it's working. I don't know how we do that with the dog. I think like you've just said, you know, a, a doctor, a consultant can get a very clear specific answer from another human being. When we're talking about dogs, we're, we're asking the owner to um, uh, decipher what the dog is telling them and again if you go back to what claire said earlier about you know novice owners that aren't perhaps as clued up as body language on body language stuff as they should or could be then i think you can get a real gray area you know they might say yeah the dog's fine you know it's working really well the dog is relaxed it's calm where actually the dog is literally like me after if you know if i'd had eight pints i would be comatose and that might be how the dog's feeling but because we can't get that clear specific answer from them we have to rely on the owners just deciphering it for us how can we advise people who are looking at medication. So we're not, like like Gemma said earlier, we're not on about supplements like um, Adaptil, things that you can plug in. We're on about now medication, vet prescribed medication. How can we help owners who, who potentially may be thinking, this is the last resort? You know, is it the last resort? What, what questions do we need to maybe ask ourselves about, is it the last resort? I think the main thing, the main question I would be asking is, have I tried to train or modify this behaviour in any way, other way before I'm going to medicate my dog? Have I spoken to a behaviourist or a behavioural trainer about this behaviour? Is it a new behaviour? Do I know that my dog is pain free and there's nothing else going on? Um, all those things. And then if a trainer says, it, do you know what? It might be an idea if we can get some sort of med in to help us with this behaviour to then work on it and get rid of the medication. Um, but yeah, I would I would try lots of things before I would revert to meds, have a discussion with your vet, have a discussion with a trainer um, and go from there and have a sort of multi pronged approach to it. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree entirely with what Jim just said. The thing that I would add is, is I would urge owners when they're given advice by a behaviorist or their trainer, a behavioral trainer, whatever you want to call them. 
Um, when you're given that advice, you need to follow that entire program. You can't cherry pick pieces from a behavior modification program and go, well, I'll do that piece, but I'm not going to do that piece or I'm not going to do that piece um, consistently. I've done it once or twice in the week instead of daily like I was supposed to. And then be reaching out to your vet for medication as a shortcut because you're not prepared to put the work in. I think that for me is the most important thing. Owners shouldn't be using medication as an excuse not to train or as a shortcut because they're not protect, prepared to put the work into training the dog. I think that is wrong. And I think it is a complete disservice to the dog. So you must try every other avenue and not see medication as a way of avoiding training. Well, ladies, thank you very much for that. I think it's been another insightful podcast as always. Um, we've obviously approached this from a trainer perspective and from an owner perspective. Um, if there are any vets out there who think that they've got additional information, please contact us. We really do love having an open conversation and bringing new knowledge to the to the table for everybody to learn from. If you are an owner where you have had success with using behavioral um, modification and meds together, please let us know so we can talk about that too. Um, thank you as always to our LWDG group experts. We do massively appreciate the time they give up to do these podcasts and to help us all learn. Hopefully you've listened to this and if you are looking at using medication with your dog, we hope this has helped you inform your choice and inform your decision going forward. Once again, thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you've enjoyed. Please review, please subscribe and we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for listening to LWDG Pod Dog with Joanne Parrott, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. If you're interested in joining our supportive community and taking advantage of our group experts training and resources, please visit our website at www.thelwdg.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And we look forward to helping you and your four-legged friend thrive. Until next time, keep training, keep learning, and keep working with your beloved gun dog. Thank you.